Alright, we are starting today Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 through Daniel chapter 12. So these last three chapters are all one. In other words, each chapter was a discrete time in Daniel up until this point. So chapters 1 through 9, sometimes it would be 20 years between two different chapters. Now chapters 10 through 12 are all just written about the, the same instance. They all pertain to one particular vision that's a closing vision that's, that Daniel is going to get. <clears throat> the year is 536 B.C. Daniel is in his mid to late 80s at this point. So Daniel is quite old. And so, uh, let's look in, in verse 1. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar. <clears throat> and the message was true and one of great conflict. And he understood the message and he had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. Nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and his feet like the gleam of, of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Okay, so, in verse 1, it says it's the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So remember, this is we saw the fall of Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and Darius took over the the uh, the province of Babylon, the city of Babylon. Darius was under Cyrus. Darius was a Mede. You had the land of the Medes and the Persians. Darius was a Mede. Cyrus was his his overlord. Cyrus was king of Persia, Persia being the more dominant of the two nations. Even though it sprung up second, it was the more dominant of the two nations. This is the third year of Cyrus, which means that Babylon has now, it's now the third year, in, during the third year that Babylon has been destroyed. Well, the city wasn't destroyed, but the, the city was taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Darius is still there in Babylon, but now Daniel has made his way into Persia. So we see Daniel is now serving. He served Darius, now he's serving under Cyrus. He's in Persia now, and he's by the Tigris River, which is a very, very large river, one of the world's largest rivers. Where Daniel is, it, it, it's the, the river is about a mile wide, so it's really quite a large river. And he says, he says so he marks the year by the third year of the Cyrus, king of Persia, and he says that a message was revealed to him, to Daniel. Unless you get confused, is, is this another Daniel? Daniel underscores this. Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. So, 
there's no mistake here. This is not another Daniel. Just like in, 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 in uh, uh, Persia, there are going to be many Dariuses, many Darius kings. So, so that we're not confused, he says, I'm the Daniel, the one who, who uh, 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 King Nebuchadnezzar had met, named me Belteshazzar. And so we're talking about the same Daniel. So Daniel at this time is in his late 80s. So remember, when a man is in his late 80s, he has a very different perspective in it on life than when he's 20. He's seen a lot. And he says the message was true and one of great conflict. So again, he's going to get a message of things that are going to happen in the future. The message that he's going to get in chapters 11 and 12 pertain to the Greeks that are going to come in and, and overcome Persia. Again, Alexander the Great, and then how the kingdom, when he dies prematurely, there's going to be four kings to rise up. He's going to give us more details about Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who is going to cause great destruction in Israel. And he's going to give us more instruction about the end times, the last three and a half years uh, that, that haven't yet taken place, even from our perspective. And so he's going to underscore the teachings that he's given before. And you say, well, why is he teaching this again? Because this is about to happen to his nation. If something were about to happen in, in, to the United States in, in 30 years, and you could receive a prophetic word, it, you'd be quite interested because this is going to affect you and your family and the people that you love. Even though Daniel might not be around, many of the people that he loves are going to be around. So this is really of interest to him. And secondly, because it affects the nation of Israel. Daniel is in mourning. What is Daniel mourning about? Well, what he's in mourning about is actually revealed to us in, in, in Ezra chapter 2. It tells us in Ezra chapter 2, verses 64 through 67, that almost 50,000 uh, uh, Jews returned from, from Persia slash Babylon area back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So Cyrus gave a decree that they could go back and they could rebuild. And so they, they go back. And if we look in the, in the book of Ezra, so if you, if you look at now in the book of Ezra, and you can see this in Ezra chapter 2, and we'll look down at, at, at verse 64. So it, it talks about all the different things that, that went back with them and, and the things that they were carrying. But in verse 64, it says, The whole assembly numbered 42,360 besides their male and female servants, who numbered 7,337. So it, you have 49,697, or almost 50,000 people have gone back, of the Jews have gone back. And these Jews, even though they were in their diaspora, they had, the 42,000 had 7,000 servants. So they had done quite well in Babylon. They had risen up from just being, being refugees, and now after 70 years in, in captivity, maybe they were there 50 years, depending on, on whether they came in in the first year or the 19th year, at 50 to 70 years in captivity, they had risen up, they'd become part of society, and they themselves had 7,000 servants, male and female servants. So that's the number that have returned back to the land. And then if you look now in, in Ezra chapter 4, in Ezra chapter 4, verses 1, 3, through four, it says, Now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's households and said to them, Let us build with you, for we, like you, seek your God, and we have been sacrificing to him since the days of 
Eshar Hayden, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's household of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God, but we ourselves will together build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So King Cyrus had told them they could go back. So they went back and they started to rebuild the temple. In verse 4, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. When it talks about Darius, king of Persia, this is a different Darius than was a Mede in Babylon. So after Cyrus came a Persian king, Darius. There were multiple Dariuses. And so... Uh, uh, they frustrated. So this is what's bothering Daniel. So if we go back to Daniel chapter 10 now, now we see why Daniel is in mourning. Because Daniel does not go back to the land. Why doesn't he go back? Well, probably for two reasons. One of them is he's in his mid to late 80s. It is a four-month walking journey if you're moving as fast as you possibly can to get back to Jerusalem. And we know that because Ezra, it says, proceeded back very, very quickly and it took him four months. You don't bring somebody who's in their late 80s if you have to walk fast for four months. The other thing is, he had some role in government. So he didn't leave the land. Many of the Jews remained in Persia and even remain to this day in Persia. So there are Jewish communities in, in Persia that remain to this day. And so he says here, he, he, he says that he got this message and in verse 2 it says, In those days of Daniel chapter 10, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three entire weeks. He's mourning because he's getting word back that they're not able to rebuild the temple, that, that plans to rebuild the temple had been frustrated. And we had looked a couple, couple sessions ago about the, the decree that had went forth from, from King Artaxerxes of Persia, which told them to start building the temple. And that's when it, it really started to begin. That's, that's decades later that it actually starts to begin. That's after Daniel has now passed away. <clears throat> but in this, Daniel is mourning because he says the Jews are back in the land. Finally, he had been praying for this and they can't even get the temple rebuilt. So he's in mourning and he's fasting and praying. Now, it says this is what's called a Daniel fast sometimes. It's not a total, total abstention from food and just drinking water. It is restricting oneself from certain types of foods. <clears throat> Verse 3, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. So wine to a Jew is, is like, you, you know, like, like our Gatorade. I mean, they, 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 they'll have it with every meal. And... and uh, uh, then he, he says, he, says he, he wasn't eating any meat, so he went just straight on a vegetarian diet. And he wasn't eating anything particularly tasty, so he wasn't having any desserts. This tells us that with the decision that Daniel had made in Daniel chapter 1 not to eat any meat was a temporary decision when he was a student and there was meat sacrificed to idol, idols. But recall when he was a student that he was elevated extremely high to... to and at that point, he was made extremely rich. It says that the king enriched him, gave him, it says, many great gifts, not just great gifts. What is a great gift? A great gift is not a keychain. A great gift is, you know, a hundred male slaves. That's a great gift. 
And he didn't just get a great gift. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar gave Daniel many great gifts. Daniel was deeply enriched, even as a young man. And that's what allowed him to become very wealthy to help the other Jews that were going to be coming in. We know Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were likewise greatly enriched by Nebuchadnezzar after they came out of that fire. So at that point, Daniel could, could have plenty of meat that wasn't sacrificed to idols because he had all his own servants and all his own money. So we, we see that what Daniel was living under as a student, that changed. And now he has made a decision in fasting. Well, why didn't he just go on a total regular fast? No food, just, just water for three weeks. I mean, people can certainly do it. The guy's like 85 to 90 years old. I mean, he's an old man. He's not young and strong like you. And so, but he's still making a decision. He is humbling himself before the Lord. And he says he didn't use any ointment at all. Now, when you're young, like, like 20 years old, I know you, you just drip oil like, like an oil well. But as you get older, the skin gets much drier. And here you have a, a, a man in an arid environment that's, that's in his mid to late 80s, and he's not using any anointing oil. I mean, so he is humbling himself. It's, it's uncomfortable. It says, on the 24th day of the first month. So, so in the verse above, it says he went entire three weeks. And now it's the 24th day of the first month. That tells us then he must have even been on this fast during the first month, which is the month of Passover. Even the month of Passover he didn't celebrate. If he celebrated, he wasn't eating the Passover food. So he was really serious about being broken because the temple wasn't being rebuilt. He cared about his people. When you grow up, you are to care about your church. You are to care about the body of Christ. You care about the campus ministry that you're in, right? And if you don't, you should. You should care about the things of God. I care about this church. I pay my tithe to this church. So I have something invested in this. And I care about this church. It was in this church that my kids grew up and they, 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 they went to vacation Bible school here and they did activities here. I care about this place. So if something happens, it hurts me because I care about this place. I care about the body of Christ. I care about this class. I care about the students in this class and the things that they're going through. We care about the things in the community of the body of Christ. This is something that we're called to do. If you don't care, it's because you have nothing invested. If you spent time praying for something, you'd begin to care about it. The day, the day you start <clears throat> investing in the stock market is the day you start watching the stock market. <clears throat> Most students have no idea what's happening with the stock market and they don't care because they have nothing invested. But when you start seeing your paycheck you know, getting zipped off and, and, and going into a 401k plan. Where is all that money? Oh, it's going into the stock market. You will care about the stock market. When you are invested in something, you begin to care. When you have children, you will start to care very much about the community. You'll care a lot about crime in that community when you start having children. You'll care a lot about <clears throat> the local elementary school and <clears throat> the local high school when you start having children. At this point, you're like, you don't care. What the crime rate is in Houston, I have no idea. It don't bother me. I just, you know, stay within the hedges. I'm okay. You will start really caring about the community and you will become a much more concerned citizen the day you have children. 
When you're invested in something. Daniel was invested in the lives of these Jewish people. He had cared for them. And now he saw them go back to the land. He had been praying for them and praying that God would bring that 70 years to an end and bring them back to the land. He prayed for that. So he's deeply invested. He deeply cares about this. Did you know that there are believers, there are Christians that deeply care about the nation of Israel? Deeply care about the nation of Israel. It, 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 it tells us in, it, actually in Psalm 122 that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It commands us, the Bible commands us, you and me, in Psalm 122, <clears throat> to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are to care about Jerusalem. Why do I care about Jerusalem? I care about <clears throat> the United States and Washington, D.C. No, we are also to care about Jerusalem. This is what He commands us to do. And there are believers, and I see them all over the world, that are not Jews, they're Gentiles. They deeply care about Jerusalem and the things that are happening in Israel. It just wrenches their heart when there are problems. And God will bring many of you to have that kind of concern for the Jewish people someday. Because we've gone over it before in this class. When you show concern for the Jewish people, there is great blessing. God said to Abraham, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. As you bless the Jewish people, you will be greatly blessed. As you show concern and pray for them, you will be greatly blessed. Daniel cared deeply about them that he was going to go on a three-week fast. That's why he's doing this. And so it it says that that, um, in verse 4, On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen. And so he sees this figure of a man dressed in linen with this gold. And, and, and uh, some people have said that this is, this is Jesus coming and, and he's appeared. Others, other scholars say, no, it couldn't be because later on, down in verse 13, it says that this, this one needed the help of Michael, the archangel. Jesus doesn't need the help of anyone. He's God. All right? So that's why this may have well just been a, an angelic figure that appears to him with, in, in, in these this flaming torches and just an amazing vision. It says, Daniel, within his group, there were other men with him. He says in verse 7, Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great distress fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So they knew something was going on. Something was just terrifying. They couldn't see the vision. If you look in, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about when Paul was on the road to, to uh, uh, Damascus, that he had a vision, and the men with him could see this bright light, but they couldn't hear it. So this is not unusual in Scripture for the prophet, the one who's going to hear, to see something, but people around them know something's up, but they don't know exactly, and plus they ran away. I mean, it was so terrifying they ran. Why didn't Daniel run? Uh, he's like 85 to 89 years old, he's not going to get away very fast. And, and uh, so he, he sees this vision and great dread fell on them. They ran away in verse 8. So I was left alone and I saw this great vision. He's like, hey guys, where are you going? I'm going to catch you. <laughs> you can't get there very quick. And so all these younger guys just leave him. And, and uh, he says, I was left alone. I had no strength in me. This vision was so great. Plus, he had been fasting for three weeks. Plus, he's, he's, he's in his late 80s. My natural color turned to a deathly, uh, uh, a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound, and as I heard the sound, I fell into a deep sleep. Actually, if you look in the, a direct translation, it says, I fell into a trance. 
he may have fainted or he fell into a trance on his face, with his face to the ground. It, is, it would be very unusual just to say, oh, ho-hum, I think I'll just go to sleep now. It's not that kind of sleep. He's either fainting or he's falling into a trance. Verse 10, Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So he falls flat on his face, like he's fainted. So now a hand touches him, and it, it, it causes him trembling, and he, he's able to get up on his hands and his knees. And he says to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, or O Daniel, man greatly loved. This is the second time an angelic being has said this to Daniel. He said it once in Daniel chapter 9. He's going to say it twice in Daniel chapter 10. Imagine these words, the comforting words. You're seeing this, and you have no idea what's going to happen. And he says, you are greatly loved. God loves you so much that He sent me here to talk to you. Then at least you can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. The comforting words of God loves you. He says, he says uh, um, Man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when He spoke this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the, king of per- with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to you to give you understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision pertains to the days yet future. So he talks about how there's this vision that pertains to the future days. And so he, he, he's going through with him exactly you know, what he's been sent for. So he touches Daniel. He's on his hands and his knees. He says, you are highly esteemed. You're deeply loved. He says, I'm, I've come here to give you understanding to a vision. And then he, he spoke with him and he, he, said, he said, now stand upright. Now get on your feet, Daniel. So Daniel stands up trembling. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel. He calls him by name and he says, don't be afraid. And, and uh, again, very comforting words. And he says, from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come in response to your words. Daniel started praying 21 days ago. Daniel started fasting 21 days ago. From that moment, his words were heard and the, this angelic being was dispatched. But he couldn't leave because he was in the midst of a, of a battle, battling the kings of Persia. These are angelic battles that are going on in a heavenly kingdom. You say, oh, come on, can this heaven really, you know, this, do, are there really angels that are battling? Let me tell you, I, I see all sorts of amazing stuff in science. There are people in science who will stand up and say, we live in a universe, we haven't found any life here, but there are many parallel universes. For our universe, there is a mirror image universe, a parallel universe, and people go, oh, wow, amazing scientist. I mean, he has no idea. This is pure and utter speculation, but he gets all this amazing respect. Oh, all these parallel universes. And he says, and they're teeming with life. Oh, maybe there's a mirror image of me on that, in that parallel universe. And people give all this amazing respect to this individual. The scriptures clearly speak of angelic realms. 
this angelic being was fighting the king in, in, over these kings of Persia. And then you see that Michael comes to his aid. Who is Michael? Michael is the archangel. He's in Jude uh, 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 verse 9. There's only one chapter in Jude. So Jude verse 9. And then in Revelations, Revelation chapter, chapter 12 verse 6 and 7, it talks about Michael, the archangel. He is the top angel. And then the last verse in this chapter says, he is the guardian, the angel over your people. Your people. Meaning that Michael is the one who guards the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. There is another, an, another one who's over Persia, it says. So each nation has over it this angelic being who's guarding the nation and battling against the forces of evil to protect God's people. At that time, God's people was the nation of Israel. At this time, it's both the nation of Israel and those who have been grafted in. Many of us grafted in to the, in, into that nation. Believers, there are, there are there are warring angelic beings that, that, that are doing this. He says, I've come in response to your word. You don't want to believe in an, an angels? Just tear this page right out of your Bible and, and, and all the other page, pages then because it's just a bunch of nonsense to you. He says, on the day you started humbling yourself, the message was sent. So what happens? We may start seeking the Lord and we seek the Lord for five minutes and then we leave. We're not interested anymore. So when the angel shows up three weeks later, it's like, where'd he go? I was dispatched, but he's gone. And we wonder why we never hear anything. I mean, this guy was serious. For three weeks, he's fasting and praying. He says, on the day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself, Daniel grew up. Daniel was around men who would not humble themselves, and so God had to humble them. Like Nebuchadnezzar, eating, he had him eat grass like an ox for seven years. Like Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, had him killed that very night. Daniel had no need to be humbled by God because he humbled himself. When we humble ourselves, there's no need to be humbled by God. He says, there are two things that got me dispatched to you. One, you set your heart on wanting to know. In other words, you're fasting. In other words, you're praying. You really want to know. And the other thing is you've humbled yourself. You're, 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 you're fasting. Those two things have caused me to be dispatched. When you are serious and you really want something from the Lord, you will fast one day. One day your child will be deathly sick and you will fast and pray. You will set aside time and you won't need somebody to tell you that you need to fast. You will realize that this is a time that you have to fast. When someone you love when something happens of great concern to you, you will see what it is to fast, to humble yourself, to set apart a time to the Lord. And this is what he did. You will care about something someday. You will care about a ministry. You will care about a direction God's leading you where you will learn to fast and to pray, to set a time, a, 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 a time aside and humble yourself. This is what Daniel did. He said that I've come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. He says, that's why I'm late. I had to fight this prince of Persia. I couldn't leave. I had to, to, to be fighting for, for God's people. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to give you an understanding for what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to days yet in the future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the crown and became speechless. 
And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. So it's not like he just touched his lips. No, he was touching his lips. He says, was touching my lips. And I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? And these words, Lord, it's a lowercase l because it's, it's not uh, Adonai, it's Adoni. It is, it is the, the human respectful respect Lord. It is not the God respect Lord. Again, an indication that this angelic being is not Jesus coming and appearing to him. As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Daniel's saying, I got no This is so overwhelming. I've got no I got no breath. I can't even speak. I've got nothing left in me. How can I hear this vision? It's too great for me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, again, O man greatly loved, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Beautiful words. Daniel has no strength. This one with human appearance comes and says, O man of high esteem, O man greatly loved, take courage and be courageous. Peace be with you. What was the common greeting that Jesus used? Shalom Aleichem. Peace be with you whenever he came to his disciples. He says to them, take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. This is the secret for today. This is the secret for your life. God strengthens us. God gives a human being strength. When there is no strength, we pray to God and He gives us strength. We rise up in the morning. We feel totally inadequate for the day's work. You come before the Lord. You fall on your knees, bow before the Lord and say, Lord, fill me. Lord, touch me. There is no strength in me for this day. And watch the Lord begin to strengthen you. This, this was, was to me just a tremendous encouragement when I, when I was a student. Look in, uh, look, look in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I spent so much time meditating on this. I, I would study so much and work so hard and had this ministry. I, sometimes I felt just utterly exhausted. Has this ever happened to you? Do they give you that much work these days? <laughs> and and, and uh, I just felt... Like I, I could never catch up, and, and I think I told you this before. But one of my one of my uh, one of the assistant pastors, you know, I, I told him I'd, I'd been in the library all day. It was Saturday. I'd spent like twelve hours in the library. And he says, "So are you all caught up?" And I'm thinking, like, you can never be all caught up in school. I mean, it, do you know what I mean? I mean, no matter how much you do, you're never all caught up. I mean, you you get to some level where you can somehow get through the exam, but you're never all caught up. Do you ever feel that way? That was my life. And, and, and uh, this, this helped me so much in Matthew chapter 11, verse, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I would take this portion and I would meditate on it. And the Lord would strengthen me. Because he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You take my yoke upon you, take my burden upon you. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. Look at how Jesus describes himself. I'm a grand conqueror. I've come on a white horse. No, he says, I'm gentle. I'm humble. This is the way our Lord describes himself. You will find rest for your souls. You learn to press into the Lord. You will find rest for your souls. You can be all stirred up. So much going on. Go and spend some time with the Lord. And let your spirit be strengthened. It will give you great strength. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And another passage, turn to, to uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. It's an amazing passage. This is how you can, you can overcome so many in life. You can get at least twice as much done as anyone else in the world. Usually five times more than anyone else in the world. You can be so productive and have ministry and be touching lives and do so many things. In your career, you can be advancing beyond many. While in your ministry, you're touching many, many lives. How can this be? How can one person do all this? Here is the secret. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This is the promise of God. You learn to draw into Him, and He gives strength to you beyond what young men have. He gives strength to you. You can be exceedingly productive in your work, in your ministry way beyond others. And they'll look at you and they say, how do you get so much done? How do you do that? It is the Lord. The Lord does this. The Lord, He, he, he says, He gives strength to the weary and to those who lack might, He increases power. I have so many times fallen before the Lord and said, Lord, I am weary. I have no strength. So Lord, according to Your Word, increase my power. Boom! He just drops power on us. He does it. This is the Word of God. Believe it. This is what He does. This is how you excel in a career. This is how you accomplish more than anyone else. You take the Word of God and you believe it. God will instill within you power for what He has for you. You come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I am weary. And He says, those who wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. In other words, He's not going to take the strength that you have. He's going to give you new strength, something you've never had before. Boom, He instills you. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not get tired. You'll walk and not become weary. This is the life that He has for you as a believer. This is what Daniel is experiencing when this man is coming and touching him. He says, I have no strength. I can't even talk. Boom. He touches his lips. He can speak. You say, Lord, I can't speak. Why do you have me in these situations? I don't know how to speak. He touches your lips. You can speak. Whatever He calls you to, He will fill you. He will give you the strength for it. If He's called you into this position, He will give you the strength for it. This is the testimony of Scripture. Let's pray.
Abba Father, thank You so much for Your Word, for the empowering that comes by the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank You for the testimony of Scripture that as You filled Daniel, so fill these young people if they will humble themselves before You and seek Your face. Lord, help them to see how You can take them from being a place in a place that is weary and that You would give them rest. And that you would fill them with so much new strength. New strength for what you have for them. Father, that they would excel way beyond their peers in life, in their careers, and in ministry. Where they'd be able to do all of this because of your new strength falling upon them. Father, I pray that they'd learn to extract these precious gifts from you because of your gracious hand. Father, I pray that they'd learn to come before you in humility. And Lord, I pray for these precious people here, particularly these precious Chinese men and women here. Father, I pray that You'd intercede on their lives, that they would give their hearts to Jesus so that they too could know what it is to capture new strength from You, to gain new strength from Your Word. Father, I pray that You'd save their souls. Save their souls, I pray, for the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen.